I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! Okay, a lot to talk about today on Locked on Syracuse. Maybe more than I thought we would be talking about on this Thursday because Syracuse really took it to Pittsburgh yesterday. 72-49 to on the road. A big win for SU. Their fifth road win in ACC play this year. And now we're here to break it down, what it all means, talk about who shined in this game. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. So the Orange are 16-12, and 9-8 and eight in ACC play, kind of jostling for that five seed with Notre Dame right now in the conference. But, Tyler, the bubble talk is beginning again because it's Syracuse basketball. And we heard our buddy, yep, Joe Lenardi was in his bunker last night on ACC Network talking about how he'll probably be talking about Syracuse at some point. We'll dive into that a little bit later. I think it's a little... A little premature for that, for sure, after just two wins in a row. But this was a good win for Syracuse. Really dominant all around. I mean, that that first half that Barama Sidibe played in the wake of those comments made by Jim Beheim, that may have been one of the best first halves anyone's played all season long. All right? I'm just going to read you the, the <laughs> yeah. stat line from the first 20 minutes, okay? He had 11 points, 8 rebounds, 3 steals, 1 block, and he took 2 charges. I mean... It doesn't get much better than that. And he only had two fouls, too. But, of course, he's Sidibe specials to kick off the second half. He had four with 16.40 to go. So he, he didn't did foul not out fall out. Though, right? so he, so, but that probably is more due to circumstance than right. <laughs> of, the, of the game <laughs> than uh, him actually, his play on the court. So I'm going to chalk up our, our prop shop bet as a push, okay? Right at that four. Really? I'm gonna, is that, a, is I that don't know, legal? But... It was you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, they all do wonky things sometimes with those. They, they they give you a lot of amnesty at times. So I'm going to grant us some amnesty there because we had the right logic. It just happened to be the wrong pick there, okay? But Pitt has been where Sidibe thrives. I went back and, and crunched the numbers. When he plays at least 10 minutes against Pitt, all right? You ready for these numbers? He's averaging yep. 11.6 points. 11.3 rebounds, shooting 13 of 16 from the field, and averages three blocks. That's unbelievable. That's pretty solid. <laughs> He's averaging a double-double yeah. against was it? Pitt. It was 16 and 18 his freshman yep, year, Yep, 16 right? and 18. Then he had four, so. and I think it was 11 the second time that he, he got big-time minutes against Pitt. And then this time around, he, he put up his, his good numbers once again. So... He, he has played well against the Panthers, and that's something that I don't know what you want to take away from that because he's only going to play them one to three more times for, throughout the remainder of his career. But I think you kind of saw the importance of Sidibe, and it got me kind of thinking too. Think about when Syracuse upsets teams, and again, last night was not an upset, but think about especially the Duke wins. It always comes down yeah. to the big men. Like Tyler Roberson a couple years ago when he has 20 rebounds. Right. You got Pascal Chukwu. Especially right, in Cameron. Yeah, Pascal Chukwu, the 18-rebound yeah. performance a season ago to go along with 11 points. Like, you need your big men to play well, okay? 
And Sidibe is going to be super important for this team moving forward if they want to have a chance in the ACC tournament. We're going to talk about the future, but this Syracuse team doesn't have that signature win yet this year. They're still searching for it, and they're frankly going to have some chances in the ACC tournament, assuming they don't blow it out of the gate in one of those first couple of games. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's their only chance they have left because as we've talked about, these final five games, and now we've checked off two wins are all against really maybe even the five worst teams in the conference. It's weird how the schedule worked out because it was kind of played the iffy teams early, pick up some wins, a lot of close games. Then you had a lot of tough teams in a stretch, as tough as it gets this year in the ACC. And then you've had all the bad teams. And some of these are road games, so, you know, they still got to take care of business here. But as we always do after a game, the day after game day, sound check here on Locked on Syracuse. And we take a look at what some of the players were saying, what Jim Beheim was saying after the game. And Beheim once again, was complimentary of Barama City Bay. Really good right from the beginning. He should probably come to Pittsburgh because he played, well, it's the, place, the only place he plays like that. So I don't know, I don't know what it is, but he, uh, he was really good. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, Elijah controlled the game for us. He was really good. But overall, our defense was better. Than it's been. We're better in the perimeter, better inside. Um, and we rebound the ball well. So it's weird to hear Bayheim praising the big man because, of course, all year and even after Georgia Tech, he said it's kind of a mystery why he doesn't play like this more often. Well, now we've seen it back-to-back games, Tyler, and the question becomes: Was it really progress for Sidibe, or was this just him beating up on a team, as we mentioned in our preview podcast? in Pittsburgh that has no interior presence, and also just the stars were kind of aligning. I mean, you could even probably say the same thing about Georgia Tech to an extent, where he still didn't play great defensively in that game, allowing Moses Wright to score a career high. So are you actually buying in on Sidibe that this is maybe progress for the future, or is this just him playing to bad To me, teams? I think this is more the latter of the the bad teams are really showing because, yeah. I mean, we kind of got into this in our preview pod. This game really played out exactly how we kind of thought it would. We said, watch out for the offensive rebounds, and Pitt has to make threes if they want to win. All right, well, Syracuse got three offensive rebounds on their first four possessions. And that's, to me, when it kind of felt like, all right, this is going to be a long night for Pitt. I know it was kind of back and forth, really, for the first eight or so minutes. But when I saw that out of the gate, and that really didn't change much down the stretch... Eventually, I knew Syracuse was going to hit shots. Also, Pitt took 12 and a half minutes to make a three and ended up going two of 10 in the first half, four of 16 in the second half. So that they could not shoot the ball. And when you put those two factors in, they had to shine in, in one area there and they didn't. And that's why they got blown out. So I think it's more that Sidibe kind of feasted on the fact that there wasn't really an interior presence. Although I will say... um. It was kind of alarming to see ja- Justin Champagne go out there for 17 boards. I mean, no one else really, <laughs> yeah, didn't really expect rebounded that. on the team uh, for Pitt, but 17 for Champagne is really, really alarming. He's just six foot six, so something's got to figure itself out on the interior. But that's really the only negative takeaway I had from the entire game. Everything else, I, I was yeah, I, I agree. Was, pretty content with what I saw from Syracuse. 
This is now seven in a row against Pittsburgh. And remember when Jamie Dixon was there, there was a point where Syracuse lost five in a row not that long ago, kind of 2014 to 2016. And the narrative was they could not get past Pitt. But here they are winning games, and I feel like Pitt just has to be so irked with Syracuse based on the Tyler Ennis thing and now seven in a row. I think Jeff Capel's 0-5 total against Bayheim, maybe 0-4. I I think it's 0-5, because he figured Maybe they played in the tournament or something. uh, Two seasons now, right, for Capel? Right, yeah. Yeah, so... And look, as Beheim said afterwards, they were, he said rock bottom wasn't even a justification of where they were at when Jeff Capel took over. That wouldn't even be putting it uh, into accuracy of what the situation was down in Pittsburgh after Kevin Stallings left. But Beheim also had another funny comment after the game in regards to Elijah Hughes and the hype that he is getting from the national media. We will discuss that on the other side and why Elijah Hughes should be getting a lot more love and should be a no-doubt All-ACC first-teamer. That's next on Locked on Syracuse. Okay, another big game for Elijah Hughes. It's just another day at the office for him at this point. He leads the team 25 points, 9 rebounds, 8 for 15 from the floor, only one turnover, a couple steals, 3 assists. And Beheim said it afterwards. I mean, this is a guy who should be getting more love. And also, he's not just doing it points-wise, Tyler. He's getting rebounds. He's getting assists. He's hitting the big shots for this team. And I just don't get why he isn't maybe even in the ACC Player of the Year discussion. I know Syracuse is bad, but what more does he have to do to get himself in that conversation? He's leading the conference in scoring now by basically a full point. You know, here's here's the interesting thing is, okay, you brought up a couple things there that I really want to hit on in this segment. So first of all, you bring up, okay, the point Syracuse is bad. Yes, they they have been very underwhelming, but look where they're at in the, the ACC. I mean, that's they're fifth in the ACC. You can win ACC Player of the Year from that fifth spot, I think. So the fact that he hasn't been getting that much love, and maybe it's the fact that Syracuse at this point – the the top four teams in the conference are so much further ahead of that fifth spot. I mean, it, it, there's a clear tier in between, so that might be the reason why. But the other thing is is how he affects the game in other ways too. Because sure, he's leading the conference in points, but I gotta say, after watching the game last night, and, and this is something that I, I've kind of thought now for about, after, including last season. He might be the most skilled rebounder on the team. He may not lead the team in rebounds, but he might be the most skilled rebounder on the team. When you watch him go up for a ball, the way that he times it at the at the summit, and if there's a rebound, he uses his athleticism to to get it over pretty much anyone too. I mean, there I I watch sometimes and I think to myself, okay, if there's a ball that pops straight up and there's Three players around it on Syracuse. Who's got the best chance of getting it? He should almost jump the tip. I mean, he's that much of a vertical jumper. Yeah, I totally agree. Who would get the ball in in a Syracuse practicing rebounding drill? And I would guess Elijah gets almost all of them when he actually, when he wants to. I mean, if he's in the position to get a rebound, I think he is most likely to come away with it because he's that good. He's he just understands rebounding, I think, the best out of all these guys. And he's just so in control. 
I mean, the scoring is is nice, and and the Syracuse team would be absolutely nowhere without his scoring. But he he does so many other things too that I think scouts are really impressed with. So he's averaging eighteen point eight points a game now. And keep in mind that was well he. That's considering that he played NC State for three minutes, didn't score, came out. So that almost drops right. him like a full point if you if he didn't play in that game, which he probably shouldn't have played. Even Jim said that after the game last night. He's also getting 5.1 rebounds a game, 3.7 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field. I mean, all he does is just put up numbers consistently night in and night out. 34% from three has slipped a little bit, but... He could be the first 20-point-a-game scorer for Syracuse since Akeem Warwick in 2005, which is a long drought. And also, no one has even come close to a 25-5 and season. So 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. And he's probably not going to get there because there's few games left, and I don't even know if we'll get to 20 points or 5 assists, considering he's at 3.7 assists. Yeah, he's but, got a lot of work to do. Yeah, but still, the fact that— even 20's lofty. Right. The fact that he's flirting with it, and I, I do think if he didn't play that NC State game, 20 would be more reasonable for him at this point. Right. But you, you can't go back in time. Anyway, the the only guy to have 25-5 and five in Syracuse history is Dave Bang in like 1964, wow. 1965. So the fact that he's even in that conversation also just continues to kind of add hype to the whole thing that he probably is going to leave after this year and we probably should just enjoy these Elijah Hughes games while we have them so the thing that really stuck out to me last night is just how composed he is I mean you saw a couple times where Gerard would turn the ball over or someone else would turn the ball over and and they turn it into a quick bucket or, or in, in some cases they, they would miss the transition bucket and Hughes would always take over right after that and say give me the ball I'm bringing it up the floor this time and just to have that maturity, to have that sense of leadership, he has shown so much poise in late game situations. Like he never looks flustered out on the floor, no matter what's happening. And to have someone like that bodes well when you get into a knockout style tournament. I mean, there are only a handful of teams in this conference that actually have that. I mean, you saw last night, Audis Tony could not hang with Elijah Hughes no. all night long. I mean, it was a disaster for him. And Elijah, I mean, the way that he impacts the game in all these different ways, say he's not doing well shooting the ball one night. And like that happens to every player that's ever picked up a basketball. You have off nights, but Elijah knows how to affect the game in other ways. He'll he'll rebound, he'll he'll dish assist. I mean, he had that one beautiful pass in transition to Sidibe almost the entire length of the court. And he also knows that, okay, if my outside shot isn't going, I need to get to the basket. And I need to get to the free throw line too because that's how I can heat myself back up. I mean, he's just such a smart player. And we've seen that all season long. And the fact that he's kind of really not in that ACC player of the year conversation, I think he will end up being all ACC first team because... When he you has hear, to be. When you hear people talk about it, too, and again, yes, the writers and stuff vote on this stuff, but when you hear him talk on ACC Network, I feel like he gets a lot of love there. Like, Jordan Cornette loves Elijah Hughes. He yeah. always is there for a compliment on Elijah Hughes. So I, I think he ultimately does get into that all-ACC first team, especially because I think Syracuse can make – 
not make, but like by default is going to have a decent run in the ACC tournament. Sure. Just because of the way the seating sets up. So we promised a vintage Jim Beheim comment here on Soundcheck. We'll give that to you now. This was Jim after a reporter asked, why is Elijah not getting more media love? Ignorance, I can't help you. <laughs> if you watch, you know. If you don't watch, you don't know. <laughs> it's not the points. He's if, what, four, five rebounds a game, four assists a game, something like that. Joe had 52 points in a week and didn't get freshman of the week. So, I mean, I can't help. I don't know who's voting on these things. People that don't watch basketball and don't know anything about it or are prejudiced one or the other. I can't tell you which, what the answer is. You know, he's well, he's had a great year. All right, well, <laughs> vintage Bayheim. It's there. a witch hunt. Yes. <laughs> I, I got to say, though, I agree with him completely. I mean, it's almost like, and I listen a lot locally because I'm from North Carolina to some of the Raleigh area shows, and I've heard shows mm-hmm. that have not had him on all ACC first team. And some of the hosts and stuff and writers that vote on this stuff are even saying, like, admittedly, I haven't really watched Syracuse that much, but I'm assuming he's just kind of like Tyus Battle, like kind of inefficient, iso ball, like carrying this offense. Couldn't be further from the truth. And that's right. that leans into Jim's point. You haven't watched if you think that. Because he is, se- I think he's the second best player in the ACC, hands down. I think Wara I think- has slipped. And Vernon Carey will win ACC Player of the Year. I'm totally fine with that. His team's good, although Duke has kind of struggled lately. But still, I, I do think Carey's on another level. But Hughes is, he's not that typical Syracuse player. And if he doesn't make all ACC first team, it's just because the voters are not watching and they're not considering that he's different than what we've seen at Syracuse in the past. Yeah, I think with That's Hughes, not a knock and, on Tyus right. Battle. They're just different players. Right. I think with Hughes, and, and I think the same can also be said for John Mooney of Notre Dame, they're just going to be the tough luck losers this year because their teams are not in that upper echelon of ACC players. But I do want to assign blame here, Tim, okay? okay. I want to assign blame. The reason why I feel like Elijah Hughes isn't getting that kind of love, I'm going to go out. I'm going to say it, it's Andy Katz's fault, all right? He needs to get him <laughs> on his little his little Skype thing, the, the grainy videos that he does post game. And, and that's that's what's going to get Elijah Hughes videos. to that next le- level because that's what he's lacking right now. He needs an appearance with Andy Katz. So, Andy, hop on the phone, dial up Elijah Hughes, get on your, your FaceTime, and, and, and get Elijah on. He had Ty's battle on last year. He needs to get Elijah Hughes on. Show a little love because that's that's the push that Elijah's missing right now. For sure. I think if Syracuse finishes the year strong – Gets the five seed in ACC play, has a decent tournament. There's just no way you can leave him off. And if if they do leave him off, I think we we riot here on Locked On Syracuse. We throw up pitchforks, and because that's just blasphemy if that's the case. But anyway, enough about Elijah Hughes. Let's talk about the team as a whole and what the future holds. Because people are talking about bubble again for Syracuse, which. I didn't think we'd get to this point, but I guess people are just quick to jump to the bubble conversation. We'll talk about it next on Locked on Syracuse. All right, time to talk about that B word, which is just ludicrous, I think, Tyler. The bubble is being brought up. Maybe not completely, but Joe Lynn already talked about how we'll probably talk about Syracuse in some form or manner at the end of the year because that's what happens. And I kind of do agree with him. We talked about it last night sort of texting back and forth about how this is just 
sort of fitting if Syracuse goes on a little bit of a run. It just feels like they have to be somewhat in the conversation. And this North Carolina game coming up is huge because I do think that presents some matchup problems. But if you get past UNC, which it sounds weird to say because they'll be favored in that game, even though it is UNC, and UNC is probably the worst team in the ACC in terms of their body of work in conference play. But we know they have talent. We know they've actually dominated Jim Beheim and Syracuse really recently in the zone. So that's kind of the most scary game for me left, even though it's at home. And then you got Miami and BC on the road. There is a path to getting back to the bubble conversation, but I do think it's a little premature for that right now. Yeah, right now you're looking at three of the worst teams record-wise in the ACC remaining on your schedule, okay? So I'm not worried necessarily about Miami and Boston College, but Carolina does scare me, and it's your last home game in this this old style of dome. We're going to see a new dome the next time this team plays. But So UNC just strikes me as a tough game because, first of all, I mean – Cole Anthony is there. That That's a game breaker in and of itself. He's someone that could torch the zone on his own, okay? Then on top of that, you got Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott. The bigs have given Syracuse struggles, and those are two solid, solid bigs. Yep. And, and in the case Great of Baycott, rebounding a five-star. Right. So UNC is going to be tough. Not, not to mention the fact that Syracuse has lost eight straight against unc okay like we talked about a lot about the syracuse dominance over Pitt lately how about the inability to beat unc they've only beaten them once since joining the acc and that came all the way back in that first meeting so unc is the last the last game i'm really penciling or i'm really circling on this calendar that could give syracuse troubles but it's very plausible that they do win out and what exactly does that mean well Okay, you're currently the five seed with Notre Dame, and you own the tiebreaker over Notre Dame as long as they don't beat FSU. Okay, they have that game coming up in, in next week. It's, so that's the game that Syracuse fans, I guess, from the outside perspective, you kind of control your yeah. own destiny here. Or if Notre as... Dame just loses, which they almost right. lost to BC last night. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and that was a, a miracle game in and of itself. But... For Syracuse, you have to show now that you can beat a good team. You because you have not necessarily shown that. I know you have the win against Virginia, and yeah, they've picked it up lately. But you kind of kicked Virginia while they were down, and now they've gotten back up. You've got a prime opportunity to beat Virginia because the way that the ACC tournament is set up, it looks like okay, you're gonna play maybe a team like like Clemson or, or Wake Forest first. And then after that, you're going to take on Virginia because Syracuse in line for the five. The five then plays the four, and then the four would play likely the one, or five-four matchup would play the one. And honestly, that could be Florida State, and they almost beat them on the road. Like, I know they didn't have Vassell, and Florida State's good, don't get me wrong, but— They still might not have Vassell. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, who knows? And Florida State has been feasting at home. It's different story when you play in a neutral site at Greensboro. I'm not saying they would right. win the game, but it's not. I, I think that's a better matchup than Duke, for sure, given that right, Duke definitely. has Vernon Carey. And it's in Greensboro, too. But you have to show that you can beat a good team. I mean, eight of the other 14 teams in the conference have shown that they can beat a top three team in the conference. Okay? And, and 
Syracuse just isn't a part of that crop right now. They have to show that they can go out and, and beat a really good team. And I think you brought up a good point to me via our text chain. Like, this team struggles when they when they face a dominant big and they've had some quality chances to pick up good wins throughout the season that may not have looked like good wins. I mean, think about their Big Ten ACC game. That was against Penn or against uh, Iowa. Iowa, and then you yeah. also had the game against Penn State. Like they had chances earlier in the year to get good wins, and then on paper at the time they didn't seem like good wins. But now that we're here at the end of the season, they would have been good wins. So they're still kind of looking for that banner victory. And it's they're going to have opportunities. I feel like they are capable of getting that signature win, but they really haven't had nearly as many chances as recent Syracuse teams. You think of just the last four or five teams that have been on the bubble, which is a sad statement to say and that you can say it, but that's just the nature of Syracuse basketball right now. They've had a opportunity to beat a top 10 team at home. Syracuse had that this year in Duke. But they've sometimes had several. Like that NIT team yeah. beat three teams. They at won home. three, yeah. Yeah. And the only chance Syracuse had to pick up some big home wins, I guess you could count Virginia at the start of the year, but it's just been so long ago that it's kind of weird to think about. I will count Iowa because that's a good team that's gotten better. And then I'd say Duke. Those are their home ranked opportunities. Iowa, even at the time, wasn't ranked, but now we know they're good. And. That's the two best big men in the entire country. That's Luca Garza and Vernon Carey, literally jostling right. for the Wooden Award, some might say. So that's just terrible luck because if it was a different team that had maybe the best guard in the country, then they probably could have been fine against Syracuse, or they Syracuse could have been fine against them. They just haven't had those chances, and it's a shame that they had to play at Louisville, at Florida State. Louisville obviously crushed them. But Florida State, that's an opportunity that they probably could have maybe won at home. And they only have really played NC State at home, and they didn't even have Elijah Hughes for that game. Right. It's uh, the the schedule and, and the unfortunate timing of injuries really have not played into their favor. And it sucks, but listen, there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is control what you can control. And they're going to have a chance now, A, to control their destiny in the ACC. And then on top of that, you've got a chance to 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 do a little damage in the ACC tournament. I know that we have we have frequently on this podcast talked about how okay we're, we're sticking a fork in them, but I mean if you can handle these three games and make a little bit of run the bubble. I know it's it's set every year, but the bubble's weak again this year, and the bubble is always going to be weak. <laughs> yeah, you've got a chance now. I mean, fourteen or fifteen wins in the ACC, that's something. Sure. I know they've that, added two I, games. I know it's but... down, but yeah, it that's something to me. Right. If they win out and then pick up two ACC tournament wins, that's 14. I mean, that's basically yeah. what we called for at the start of conference play. Now, they would need to get a signature win, I guess beating Virginia twice maybe, if that's how it works out. In some right. ways, maybe it's better if they get the six because then they get the three, and that's probably a ranked win, but – also, you probably get Duke at this point, and I again have said I, this I a want lot. no. If I'm yeah. Syracuse, I want no part of Duke and Greensboro. I think they no have a, a good shot against Virginia, especially, but also even Florida State and Louisville. I think they basically have no shot against Duke in Greensboro. Yeah, so I'm kind of with you. Well, we'll uh, continue to monitor it because it's it's once again Syracuse basketball trying to play their way into the bubble conversation. 
When they're down and out, they kind of pull you right back in. A big win over Pittsburgh. Still very early. I think it's still a little premature, but we'll see how they fare against UNC. I'll be at that game, and we'll probably get to breaking that down a little bit later on this week, and obviously we will be back next week as we are every weekday on Locked on Syracuse. Mm-hmm.